<laughs> yeah, we back at it, man. This episode is called Experience or Talent. Was that is that what I said? Experience or Talent? Experience. My guess. My yeah. guess is 606. You back? What's yes, good, sir. Bro? Life is good, man. Life is good. No, no complaints. Getting through, getting through the storms daily. Able to shift some of it when when I need to, but traversing through it all. Life is good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, there's a lot to complain about, but the key is kind of like for me is like just putting things in proper context. You know what I'm saying? I don't live in I don't live in a, a war zone. Many people do. I grew up in a war zone. You know what I'm saying? I came out of a whole lot of that shit. So when I'm looking at things from a broader perspective, I'm like, okay, I graduated from that shit. Can't dwell on it. Life is good. Yeah. You know yeah, you know, like I, I saw that picture of the kid drinking water out of the mud, you know, years and years and years ago. And then when you think about what 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 we think is is a horrible upbringing or what was tough, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Think about like all the shit that we consider to be like traumatic experiences here in the states. That would be a good day for somebody else, man. And I think we kind of like we put too much emphasis on certain buzzwords because it, it it tells our narrative effectively to people that aren't that far removed from us. But other people look at us who hear those same words and be like, you fucking tripping, bro. Like trauma. Like, man, I'm traumatized. That that relationship traumatized me. Or you know what I'm saying? Then some motherfucker who grew up in in a in a third world country who was a fucking child soldier be like, nah, dog, that ain't trauma. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How could you not understand it? You know what I mean? Like on the grand scale of things compared to other people across the world, we we have it a lot easier than than most do. You know, even with what we've been through. And it's not to say that no one has had a, a harder time than us, but there's people having it way worse than uh, you are right now. Yeah. And that's just and that's what and then the thing about it though, man, and I, it, and it's an interesting uh perspective to have in in all instances there's an opportunity to learn something correct and in all instances uh shit and we ain't we ain't getting out of here alive all of us gonna end up dead all of us you know what i'm saying it's just gonna happen it's just it's it's a part of the journey so the thing is is like on your way to wherever it is you're trying to be what it was what effort are you putting in and are you are you utilizing your talents are you are you using you see what I'm saying? Are you actually applying what you have available? Are you maximizing your potential to produce, create, synthesize? Build, build, construct something, you know. Yes, sir. Are you effectively doing it? Is are, are you, you doing are you doing what you want to do, need to do? What you say? Are you contributing anything? Are you adding value? You know what I'm saying? Most people are just like so used to like just drawing from and taking away from that they start feeling entitled and they don't they forget that that whatever they're drawing from, whatever they're taking away from, some something or someone is putting it there so they can have access. You know what I'm saying? Saying like a, a, a orange tree or or apple tree is producing apples. When you pick all the apples, you can't be mad that there ain't no more apples up there. You gotta wait. Because guess what? The tree produces the apples. And if you're not putting back into that tree, if the tree is not fed, you get no more apples. 
You know what I'm saying? There it is. There it is. There it is. Simply put. Simply put. When did you first fall in love with uh writing? I was probably like I, this writing easy. raps. Like um probably like in the fourth grade, I was writing a little bit. And uh it was really just based on me like just writing the lyrics to songs that I like. Mm-hmm. And uh by the time I got to like sixth grade, my my uh, sixth grade teacher had uh grabbed one of my raps off my page off my table and she convinced me to join the uh this after school program to do public speaking. You know what I'm saying? Uh she grabbed it, I guess, because I was distracted from whatever she was teaching me or whatever, but she was reading what I was writing. And she was impressed with the words, I, you know, my word usage and shit like that. And she, I was kind of soft-spoken at the time when I was, you know, in public, I was soft-spoken. So she convinced me to join this uh, after-school program where it was a public speaking thing. So we were giving speeches, Langston Hughes, uh, Maya Angelou, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it, it got to, it got so, I got so into it that I, w- I wouldn't miss a day of it. I just like doing it. We stay after school. I, everybody takes turns standing at the podium giving speeches. We It got to the point where we would pick our own speeches or whatever we wanted to, to recite in front of the audience. And uh, I was like picking like little bits of Martin Luther King, little Malcolm X, stuff that I found on these flashcards that my dad bought me when I was little. It was like all these Black History flashcards and stuff like that. My dad was like pouring it to his dog. So um, I, I found, I think I was listening to a, a BDP song and KRS-One said some stuff, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, it was pretty profound. I think it was from uh, You Must Learn. So I did his verse, one of his verses from You Must Learn, on, you know what I'm saying, at the after school program. And she was so moved by it, she asked me to do it at the Black History thing, at the Black, you know, the Black History Month assembly. So I did that at the Black History Month Assembly and I got the bug. I was like, uh, I like writing. I like this shit. I like this rap shit. I like this music shit. And by the time I was like in eighth grade, I was like really good. You know what I'm saying? I was like rapping and shit like that. Uh, I had my own style. It wasn't based on nobody else's shit. I was just doing me. And I found out I got a cousin who lived in New Jersey who was a professional. She, you know what I'm saying? She had her deal and shit like that. She's like four years older than me. So she... You know what I'm saying? Like 16, 17 years old, got a deal. She touring and shit like that, rocking out with Salt and Pep and uh MC Light doing these shows and shit like that. And she from Jersey. And one of my moms on my mom's side of the family. And that shit just lit me up. And then I found out on my dad's side, my cousin Lee was touring with uh Big Daddy Kane and LL Cool J. And I, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh shit, I got rappers on both sides of the family. That's crazy. So, what I'm doing ain't that strange. You know what I'm saying? So I start really digging in deeper and just putting these bars together and developing flows and, and mastering uh, wordplay techniques and all that shit. Uh, studying figurative language and stuff. And it's just, that's, that's really what kind of like just got the ball rolling. So now it's just muscle memory. You know what I'm saying? I even started like learning the freestyle because of it. Okay. You know? And all of that really was like triggered by that fucking public the uh, public speaking class. Okay. Did you ever try to uh, put something together where you could go on tour with your cousin? Dude, I was so young at the time. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just more enamored by the fact that they were even doing it. Cause I was, I wasn't even in high school yet. You know what I'm saying? When I found out all that, all of this shit. So I was like, just more impressed that 
You know what I'm saying? They was even doing it. I wasn't even thinking shit. Put me on. I didn't even think I was good enough. Okay. I didn't realize I was as dope as I was until like I was in 10th grade. And because I was always do my own shit. I never recorded anything outside of like on a tape, on a cassette recorder or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would like take, you know, have like loop somebody beats, do pause tapes and loop somebody beats and rap over their beats on a cassette. Shit like that, like some uh, EPMD loops, some uh, Slick Rick loops and shit like that. I had, I used to make like whole little tapes and they'd just be in a box and I'd just be having all these raps on them, just practicing my flow, trying to learn how to ride the beat, stuff like that. Wow, wow. I was like training myself early and then it, it didn't, didn't occur to me what I was doing other than me mimicking what I liked. You know what I'm saying? I was developing myself. You know what I'm saying I had a better understanding of like recording and, and producing strictly based on that. I always wondered about that. How did you how did how did you end up getting into that? It was crazy. Like when I, by the time I say I started recording pause tapes and stuff like that and making loop beats and stuff like that when I was like in the sixth and seventh grade. Okay. So yeah. by the time you got to production, yeah. that was all of that was all a byproduct of the steps leading up to that. Yep, I had like a basic idea of it just based on that. And nobody showed me how to do it. It was just, I, I was curious. I know I had a I had a, a double deck cassette player, one with the record and one with the play side. And I would, I would play about four bars of a beat, rewind, you know what I'm saying? Rewind that back, record another four bars of that beat. And I would like intersplice all these different sections. And so, and then when I was doing it, I was trying to, I was mimicking what I heard that I liked. So if I heard, uh, Shit, a fucking gangstar beat or jungle brothers beat or something like that. And I know my cause my dad had all these fucking records in his living room, dude. Just records and records and records. Just fucking uh maybe like six shelves, seven shelves high, just full of fucking LPs and 45s. So that already gave me like an inclination of what it was I, I was listening for because I hear the sample on the rap song, and then I like damn, my dad played that song and I go back in the living room it's the original fucking record so I, I had an idea what sampling was at that point I just didn't know how they were doing it mm-hmm. I didn't know the technology and nothing like that I, I was just trying to mimic it by using a tape deck you know what I'm saying I learned how to fucking DJ fucking around on his his fucking turntables and shit like that he dude I was everything hip hop growing up in that era dude was like the best era for me to grow up in because everything was like it was so new you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like the newest shit. It was like the coolest shit, dude. Niggas rapping, niggas breakdancing, niggas DJing, shit like that. And the whole time I'm learning how to produce and didn't even realize it. And then uh, the f- I'm trying to remember. the f- I, One of my buddies took me to the studio with him. And uh, uh, the, the engineer had like a keyboard. It wasn't even no MPCs or nothing like that. It was like, I think he had a, a Landrum, a TR-808. And something else and he was over there making beats and shit like that but you know what I'm saying you know you watch me do it and I was like so that's how the fuck they do it and I'm by this time I'm like in the fucking ninth grade I never really recorded anything up to that point though but when I realized how dope I was when I was like in the 10th grade because I made a loop tape that I had freestyle I freestyle battled somebody too and me and dude ended up cool because of you know saying the battle and uh i didn't make my i didn't make 
my first beat until I was a senior in high school. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And that was me when I first went to a studio that had some equipment and I helped co-produce. I, I literally just, I Quincy Jones that shit because I didn't know how to operate the shit, but I brought, <laughs> I had, I, I broke, I wrote, I had uh, my raps, I brought my samples. I had, I wrote out the, uh, the sequence that I wanted the beat to go in. I didn't even know what it meant, but I knew I was like, all right, this is the part I want to be the opening, the intro. This is the part I need to have for the bridge. This is the part I need for the hook. This is the part I need for the verses. I wanted to break down like this. I had all that shit mapped out on, on notebook paper. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. And then dude just sat there and he made the beat for me. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and then I let my mom hear it and she was, you know what I'm saying? Putting everybody on. Look, look my son rapping. You know what I'm saying? All of those shit. And then a buddy of mine uh, went away to, uh, but. I say it's about right when I got out of high school. No, I was right before I got out of high school. A buddy of mine went to Seattle and came back with a uh, with a fucking uh, uh, Yama, uh, uh, Korg Triton. And uh, from that point, it was a wrap because now I'm just tinkering with his keyboard. I go over his crib, be fucking with it, learning the ins and outs. So I was teaching him how to fuck with it after a while because I was just going through all the different menus and stuff like that. I didn't even know it could do the stuff it, that it could do. I didn't know anybody who had one. And then uh, after that, I just started hitting the studio more. I was like a studio rat after that, dude. But all of this, the studio rat shit didn't hit me until I moved down south. You know what I'm saying? So it was like the perfect time, dude. I went down south the same year Outkast came out. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was, I was a studio rat, dude. I learned everything I needed to know. And the first beat I sold came off fucking PlayStation. So, okay, because I always heard you say you made beats off the PlayStation. So what wh what is it? Is, is there a, a, some software on there? There was this game called the MTV Music Generator that uh, it was like, it was a, a grid-based uh, game where it had all of these different blocks you could put in a a block for kick drum and look in these little one bar, two bar, three bar, four bar loop sets. You can stretch the bars out on the motherfucker. It was like little shit that I, I had to go behind the scenes of the game to actually find out that you can fucking manipulate these sounds and build beats as opposed to like just tinker with the templates. But the like the the entry level shit, as soon as you hit it, it says all this all the templates are available. So you can like build beats based on the little the uh sound packs that they already made up. Okay. But, you can like you can drill down into those sound packs and find a singular sound and all the kit that that is associated with. So if it's a drum set, if it's like a kick drum and it already have like a loop to it, like doom, 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 doom. I'm like, OK, I like that. Let me click on it. You click on it, it is, and you can see like the pattern that the drum is in. You click on that. It'll tell you the name of the sound and all the sounds associated in that library. I'm like, holy shit. So you mean I can just change this kick to a different kick? But if I can do that, what if what happened if I do this? Okay, what happened if I do this? And before you know it, I was just going into it and I'm like, oh, I can sample with this motherfucker too. <laughs> you could pop the you could pop the disc out the PlayStation, pop the sample from a CD that you want to use in there, and it gave you like so many seconds of loop sample time. Nigga, I was chopping up samples and shit like that with it. I didn't even realize what I was doing then. I just knew that it was like a pause tape. I could do it like I was doing my pause tapes, but I'm doing it on the PlayStation. That's crazy. Man. And I, I didn't really get dope at it 
for like nine months. I spent, I used to get off work, come home, right to it, spend three, four hours just fucking with it. And uh, Sean would be like sitting there with me just, cause she was amazed that I was even doing it with that shit. And by the time I, rec- I recorded my own music to it, cause I had a little four track recorder by then, I bought it from a pawn shop. So I would record the songs and shit that I made to them beats. Four track recorder, it was only four things that you could get together unless you could, unless you was a master with that shit. Yeah. So like one track would be the beat. And then I do like another track with my lead vocals. The third, the the next track would be my ad libs and the last track would be my hook if I can. You know what I'm saying? Little shit like that. And I learned because I had limited time, I had limited tracks. I started developing the habit of, uh, trying to get it right the first time. You know what I'm saying? Trying not to punch in. You know what I'm saying? That's why like a lot of the recording sessions we had, it wasn't a lot of punching in. It's either you start from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? To anybody that's listening, you do not. Punching in over here with us is laziness. Yeah, you just do it from the top because you want to maintain cadence. You want to maintain the same energy and style. Absolutely. You want to maintain it. And if you... If you're punching in a guy like, like six, he, he knows when to punch and he's been doing it too long. He knows when you punching in. If he's listening to any of these rapper songs, he knows it. I've been around now where I go, oh, I, I heard I hear the change because you hear the change in the tempo of the person's voice when they're doing it, you know, yep. or, or the clipping of it, you know, even though it doesn't sound like you. It, you don't hear a sound of clipping, but it's just the way that it, it pops in doing yeah. that. Uh, it doesn't sound concurrent. No, it does not. It does like not. Certain words would not flow into the sentence that way. You get like, oh yeah, he punched that in, because that nobody's got that kind of breath control. You know what I mean? That type of shit. <laughs> and then you you you, you, you try it. like, okay, if he did that, let me see if I can do that. Right, exactly. Like, nah, that ain't work. <laughs> it's fucking debunking people recording sessions and shit. <laughs> not on purpose just for the simple right. fact that you know i'm a lyricist i can put syllables together man i think that's one of the things that annoys you guys i can put some syllables together but <laughs> because i know i can't i'll be listening to what other people be doing yep. you're like okay that ain't work so either they're gonna have to show me how they got it done that way or- <laughs> that shit ain't possible because yeah, I'm 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 nice with syllables, man. And then for me, it can go from beyond the breath control of it to just remembering um, how to how to form the correct, you know, uh, enunciation to it to get go from word to word and link them all together. Yeah. Absolutely, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> so you 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 were on a PlayStation doing all this. Yep, I was doing all that on the PlayStation. I did. I used the PlayStation because that that game came out maybe like in '98. So, so I'm kind of fast tracking through the process through the years of it because I, you know, I sent too many timestamps, too many different, too too many different key moments to this shit. Okay, but the elements all kind of add up. So, uh, prior to the PlayStation, a guy with the Korg Triton. Before the Korg, before the PlayStation, and after the Korg Triton, a buddy of mine got an ASRX. And that's like a sampler. It's a sampler, uh, sequencer. I, I had one in my lab before it was black. You done seen it before, believe me. Yeah, Cause I had it for a long time. Um, he brought one home from when he went out of town 
and dude, we sent we spent the, the whole summer just fucking with it, just sitting in his, in his mama crib, just sampling her records, sampling her CDs with it, trying to learn how to trying trying to learn how to sequence with actual hardware. Wow, you know what I'm saying? So that's what gave me like the the real notion of digging into the software on the PlayStation because I I felt like I was kind of dope over there over his crib. I gotta make what I'm making over here as dope. I'm not gonna fuck with this and lose. So I was like, I'm just gonna at least make beats with it and see if I can kind of get good at it so I could take what I know how to do here back over his crib. But what started to happen was I got so good at the crib doing it on the PlayStation that that's all I fuck with. And mm-hmm. I'm doing fucking PlayStation controller as opposed to like beating on the beat machine or you know what I'm saying keys on the, on the keyboard. How difficult is that? It's not even difficult at all, bro. Actually, it makes my it makes my workflow the way I make beats now. It's all attributed to me getting used to doing it that way. So that way is probably harder to, for anybody who who doesn't fuck with video games. You see what I'm saying? I was already in tune with the fucking PlayStation controller with the buttons where I just need to know. All right, R1 does this, the X does that, the O does that. That you know what I'm saying? Shit like that, but with the with the MPC with the keyboards everything is pretty much if you understand music everything is kind of self-explanatory in that way mm-hmm. and you know what the what the uh key groups are if you understand uh keyboards you know what I'm saying you know like if you if I'm using my MPC it's 16 pads uh 64 banks shit like that so I got so much sample time everything is kind of like I can drag and drop and buy this old you know what I'm saying? It's just basic elemental shit. Okay. So all of that in the PlayStation is kind of like, that would be confusing to somebody because they don't expect their video game console to be capable of even doing that. You know what I'm saying? So instead of playing Resident Evil, I was fucking making beats. You know what I'm saying? And did that shit until I got my first uh, NPC. And I, my first NPC was the Blue and Red uh, 1000. You know what I'm saying? I got that. After I, because I do, I made so much money on, on beats that I made from from the uh, PlayStation that it was just stacking it, stacking and stacking. You know what I'm saying? Until I moved to Chicago, uh, I put out two albums with beats primarily uh, made on the PlayStation. One was a solo album, was my first pretty much mixtape, and the second one was with my crew that I put together uh, called the Ready Crew down south. And uh, I think that kind of, that got me in the game. That kind of got me really respected amongst my peers outside of just the raps, but I was, I was, a, I was a double threat. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't no trash rapper and I wasn't no trash beat maker. I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I was, and a lot of people can't be that well-rounded. You know what I'm saying? Something, something lacks, something suffers. You know what I'm saying? Kanye don't write his own raps because he, he produces, he puts more into his production. You know what I'm saying? J. Cole, he puts so much more into his raps that his beats aren't his strong suit, even though he can make some dope beats. He has a producer. He has producers to help contribute to his music. So it kind of like goes both ways. You see what I'm saying? Me, because I'm more of the ilk of like just underground hip hop, that a lot of the stuff that I do is really, I needed to make beats that matched my vibe. I, I pay for beats. I done the whole pan for beats and studio time shit. So I got to the point where like, well, dude's just not making beats 
that I'm hearing in my head. Let me see if I can make the beats that I hear in my head. Because the beats that I hear in my head go with the songs I hear in my head. You see what I'm saying? And that's really what, that's why I think my, even like my production style is so unique and so different. It's not, it's not your conventional beat selection. You know I will agree. I will agree with that. I will agree with that wholeheartedly. When I oh. first heard him, I, it, but the B selection, it, it's varietal, varietal. It's not the same thing over and over again. Right. There's like a, uh, there's a style. I think there's a, like you said, there's a style to it, the way you do it. I'm not sure how to say it, but when I'm listening, like he has like a certain type of gloom or something to it, or, or it's something in it, or something like this, like a, like I don't know. I don't know, like a, something with horror or something just dragging out in the background or something, you know. So right. I'd be listening, like, I think I get it. I think I get it. Maybe, maybe not, but I, I can- think a lot of that is like uh, rooted in the time I was living down south in the crunk era and shit like that. And the, the, the club scene and the, the vibes of like Three Six Mafia and shit like that. All of those things kind of like bled into it. The, um, the psychodrama era stuff like that but because i was like i was i was i would listen to anything i would listen to everything like kind of like you would say like rizza doesn't have a conventional hip-hop production style either you know what i'm saying like the first time i heard wu-tang i'm like i never heard no shit nobody make beats like these before you know what i'm saying because i'm you like you you get so used to like the what i would consider to be like the standard boom bap yeah and rizza wasn't standard boom boom bap you know what i'm saying he had Whoa. those because he was using the similar drum loops and stuff like that that they would use, and uh, but he had his he had a different ear, and that's kind of tore shit up. Yeah, and he tore shit up, man. I think those are those are the things that kind of like always kind of inspired me, just having that different ear. Like when I'm hearing a sample to flip, me and Tony would just throw samples back and forth just to see how we would flip it. You know what I'm saying? What would our, our approach be to to flipping this sample? When we did our last beat tape, that's all that was. I, I I proposed what movie we was gonna sample from, and uh, it was it wasn't a whole lot of different samples to choose from. Some of the we chose like the same sample maybe twice on that album. You know what I'm saying? And we kind of flipped them differently. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's just a. Uh, like I said, it's just come down to uh, all the all the work I put in on the PlayStation and just having my own vibe, really. Yeah, that's it's that's it's, it's a crazy technique uh, and genius, like for me to hear you say it because I never heard you really talk about how you got into it. I was gonna think that you had like the MPC and the keyboards. One day somebody bought that joint for you, and you went in there and got to work. I always been around dudes who had access. And uh, going to studios and and actually getting a little bit more uh, intimately uh, in tune with the equipment that they had, yeah. And to like go way left field and start my own shit on the PlayStation, kind of threw everybody off. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the crazy part about it is though, is like uh, when I my with my first mixtape, the most hated LP, <laughs> motherfuckers was eating that up, bro. Okay. And I was just fucking around. I was just trying some shit. Like the mix on it ain't that dope uh, to me. Like in retrospect, if I could redo that whole album, I probably would. But I'm pretty sure any artist would say that about their previous work. They'd be like, man, this shit on there, I 
can't get with. But I always get like the same reception. Like every every so often, uh, somebody will hit me up about it. You know what I'm saying? Or when I did uh, the first project I did when I met Tony, because Tony gave me a couple of beats for it, the In the Shadows album. That one, I was going through some dark shit, but you know, so I kind of, I kind of poured all that darkness into that album, and uh, the vibe on that one is kind of like, I think every project up into like the the flight risk was all dark. You know what I'm saying? Mm. The flight risk was a little bit more upbeat, had a little bit more energy in it. You know what I'm saying? But everything else has been been having that darkness to it, I guess because. I was really into like battle rapping and shit like that and being aggressive and shit like that. So all of the music that I was making kind of like reflected that. And plus I'm not, I don't listen to a whole lot of happy go lucky shit either or party shit. <laughs> <laughs> like my vibe, like lately in my, you know what I'm saying? At this stage in my life, I'm probably listening to more upbeat shit. You know what I'm saying? And I think we had that conversation last time. So like my vibe is up now. Um, I'm seeing things a little bit differently. I'm, you know, so I'm making some uh some inroads with some issues that I used to have. You know what I'm saying? So now, now my vibe is up. So the music I'm making kind of reflect that. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of it's interesting how that goes though, man. It's just that it's it's life. It's, it's like, come from where we come from. You know what I'm saying? It's phases, you know what I mean? You gonna it it'll, it'll, it just swarms in on you one day and sometimes it hits you with the realization, like, hey, today might be the day we gotta deal with this, man. Yeah, bro. And on top of that, man, it's like I use music as my catharsis. That's my so me creating is just me letting off steam. You know what I'm saying? Some okay. of like heavy bag, I hit the I hit the MPC. You know what I'm saying? I I hit the mic. Uh, I, I I I write a lot more. But when I'm up and I'm 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 happy and I'm upbeat, shit, I'm putting that energy somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? The studio is meant for my my dark shit. You know what I'm saying? Help me get that that dark energy out. You know what I'm saying? So okay. like that. As we look at the industry now, how 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 what percentage of the industry do you think is uh talented as far as rappers? Oh, rappers? Yeah. Probably less than 1%. Less than 1%. Cause and we're talking in in the industry. If we're talking uh, because you know, hip hop exists in tiers. You know what I'm saying? Like you have some heavy hitters who aren't mainstream. Aesop Rock would be one. Uh, Vinnie Paz would be one. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we're talking like the top tier rappers, anybody who exists in the in the mainstream, I wouldn't call them talented at all like drake is not talented uh he's he's dope you know what i'm saying but it does his his what he does doesn't require that the level of talent that it takes to become uh what crooked eye is you see what i'm saying uh or what um joel ortiz is it's like what 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 labels want is is something that's easy to kind of like sell it's something that sells itself. Yeah, they don't want to do no work no more. They take all the money out the budget. Be able to put something out there that they can put in front of the people, and then people go, ah, new shiny thing. Yeah, because people don't people that like the average consumer 
they're not reading the ingredients. They're not going to the store and finding out the intricate details of what the chemical makeup of, of this is. So you know they're not listening to the, the music in a, in a very detailed way. Uh, I believe, honestly, those who do consume music and get off into the details are artistic anyway. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like an <clears throat> average consumer, the average consumer may not be as artistic. So those of us who appreciate like those, those doper MCs, the ones who appreciate, I'm like, I can listen to a bunch of shit. I listen to Thug, I listen to Drake, I listen to uh, Homeboy Sandman, I listen to all Griselda shit. I listen to a plethora of different artists. So I'm listening to it, but I'm listening to it from a creative standpoint. You know what I'm I'm listening to it from an artistic standpoint. But if I didn't have this background, I probably, from a consumer perspective, depending on like the life I would be living, half of these artists probably wouldn't even exist in my catalog of, of music that I listen to. My playlist wouldn't consist of such a diverse array of artists. It'd be no. like, oh. it'd be a face value, music with face value, super superficial music. Is the song dope or not? Yeah. Uh, do, uh, do the ladies like it? You know what I'm saying? That type of shit. That'd be my mentality. But I'm like listening to artists. I I listen to artists the way I watch movies. I pick that shit apart. You know what I'm saying? I kind of like, I sit up and I view it. I listen to it. I, I I consume it. And then I spit out the bones. You know what I'm saying? So like I'm listening to, I'm listening to the recording technique. I'm listening to the wordplay. You know what I'm saying? I'm listening to the way he's using his voice. Pattern. Patterns. You know what I'm saying? How clever those punchlines and and shit like that are like, damn, I would have never thought of saying it that way. That type of are, shit. Are they using onomatopoeias or personifications? Yeah, families, are they using, you know what I'm saying? All are that they, good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like that was a dope hyperbole. You know what I'm saying? Bang, bang, right? So when, you, when, I, when I look at the music industry, but maybe over the last, should we say what, 10? No, not 10, 12 to 15 years? We've seen more, we've seen it become more of a popularity contest and about them displaying talent, right? They got to be more visible though, because uh, the labels aren't doing as much marketing as they used to. So they got to be, they got to make themselves a little bit more visible. They got to kind of get out here and you see more antics. Uh, you see more, uh, more social media from artists. Artists are way more accessible, way more visible than they've ever been. Yeah. Like when artists had MySpace pages, they weren't as visible and interactive as they are now. Like fans act like they know you personally now. You know what I'm saying? You see the interactions they have with certain artists. Some of them they disrespect, some of them they, they speak with high reverence to. You know what I'm saying? And that's because artists can't afford not to be that visible. You know what I'm saying? They kind of got to interact and like make their own announcements and shit like that. It used to be the PR was done by a firm or by the label. But now artists are like, man, I got this new joint dropping, blah, blah, blah. Y'all going to get down? Hey, meet me at 9 p.m. And we're going to do a versus, that kind of shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they they going in and tell you to check out the song. I'm going to go live at 8 o'clock or whatever. Yep, because um, all that adds up to more faces, and more faces mean more money. Say that one more time. Said that attention, it, it brings more faces. You know what I'm saying? Faces mean more money. So you got more people, you know what I'm saying, clicking on your product, that engagement. You know what I'm saying? That engagement brings more traffic. More no. people about it. Especially if the page is monetized, right? Mon if, either if it's monetized or people willing to put in, you know, so join your uh join your special Discord server or whatever the fuck. Shit like that. Um, you, know, you know, now they're giving out the Giselle and everything. 
Mm-hmm. The Zelle account and all that. Yeah, cash at me. All that shit. You want to get the you want to get the exclusive download? Hit my cash app and I'll send you a link. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. Get that, get the inside scoop. Now and then they moving into the NFT space, which I'm still learning about. It's just all kind of it's crazy, man. It's like we we are definitely like advancing in, in different ways that far different different ways than anybody could have told me 10, 20, 30 years ago. You would have never been able to tell me back in 05 that this is what the game would look like. Seems like we're becoming more of a uh, wanting to be an uh, internet uh, age now. You know, everything is on the internet. No more interaction with actual people and, and socializing. Seems yeah. like everything is going toward the internet now. Yeah, that's, gonna- what, that's what causes people to be uh, apprehensive and afraid because like think about it we played outside bro we were everywhere so we we didn't have as much apprehension it wasn't a lot of tension when you went places you know what i'm saying because you understood what 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 was at stake now people spend more time talking shit on their phones than they actually do speaking to people face to face that they are awkward in person yeah yeah because person to person interaction is like live tv for them you know what I'm saying? The camera's on you. What you gonna do? What you gonna say? You know what I'm saying? You can talk tough on the internet and just log off and just let the shit cook. Yeah, we don't do that over here, man. If it's not about nothing, it ain't gonna be nothing, you know? So when we get off off of here, we go do real things. You go be with your uh, your kids. You, you, you work. You got all these other things lined up. We do not carry on on the internet. That is a no-no. We come from a different era, though. So I, I definitely understand it. I definitely understand, but out being outside was a wonderful thing growing up. We all met up at the park. We all played. We all did things together. That was our social. That was our social social network. We understand. We remember a, a world before all of this. You know what I'm saying? There are people who grew up and all they know in their existence is internet. The internet was the utility of the time for them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and if history, history is always an indicator. Like every 20, 30 years, there's a new innovation. And we're closing in on the next innovation. You dig know what I'm saying? Because the internet hit, you know what I'm saying, hit the, the world and, and made a big splash in the early 90s. So it's like 30 some years ago almost. We're closing in on 30 years ago because what this year will be 30 years since I remember that, you know what I'm saying, really seeing the internet in person. So yeah. Uh, 98. 30 years ago, 30, oh, 20, 23 years ago. Yeah. You're right. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. So 91. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about when I got introduced. Okay. Yeah. So, I remember when, cause I went to do Sabo high school and I remember our school being like the first high school on the South side of Chicago or some shit like that at the time. These kids have no idea about the big uh, monitors that you had to stack on top of the, uh, you, on top yeah. of the. Yeah. Shit was crazy. <laughs> with, the, with the with the green and black screen, the green yeah, font, the, the dot matrix printers and shit like that. The loud yeah. it. The printers. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and fucking Oregon Trail and shit like that. <laughs> Them games was trash as hell, but we were hooked. Man, definitely, bro. That was the advancement. It was, it was, it was coming through slowly but surely, man. 
Yeah, man. And the crazy thing about it, though, is like for all of its uh, purpose and all of its uh, for everything that they, they intended its value to be used for, what we use it for on a consumer based level is strictly to make people rich, bro. All we do is just sit there and sell ourselves on a. Everybody want to be famous. Everybody want to be important. Everybody got a story to tell. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be famous or important now. It's like, it's like you watch people, you know what I'm saying? People post their status on <clears> Facebook. <throat> they post a picture on Instagram. All of that, all of it, because everybody's trying to interact in some form or fashion. So people post their links to something. It's all for like eyes, get them eyes on it. Pay attention to this. And the whole platform is all about monetizing it your shit without you involved on your only involvement is posting and facebook gets paid from engagement because they got all of these fucking sponsors and shit like that all them ads you see up there all them they paying for that shit yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing how people think that they, they can get famous i mean i mean i that I, it could happen but it's it's a one. It's a. It's lightning in a bottle. It is lightning in a bottle. Have you heard uh, about? You know who Brandy Renner is, right? Uh, no. That's the chick who uh, PJ Washington got the baby by. I'm not even sure who that is, bro. You know who PJ Washington is? Basketball player. He uh, when he was 17. She she met him when, when he was 17, when he graduated, uh, when he came out of college. She used to go to his games and watch him play ball and shit like that when he was in college. She was scouting him out. Fast forward, they hooked up. She got pregnant, had his baby. They got married. She divorced him. All within that small window of time. And she talked shit like, uh, she was talking shit for a minute on, online, talking about how she uh, kind of like preyed on him and stuff like that because she knew he was going to be a star. And uh, she she fucked with Future before she fucked with man she fucked with a lot of celebrities before she got to PJ Washington. Now I say all that to say this. Now she uh, just a few days ago was talking about how she she was homeless and almost broke and shit like that. <laughs> hold on, hold on. This ain't even the culmination of the story, bro. Cause she ain't even thirty years old yet. Now. It's, it to me the irony of it 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 is kind of it's not lost on me I get it it's interesting I'll say this because just a few days ago she was online saying how she's homeless she's li living with her mom and trying to get back on her feet and how because uh, I think PJ Washington has to pay her so many I think like three hundred thousand dollars a month or some shit like that and child support but she ain't seen nothing yet because I don't think it's been finalized so anyway. She just got hired by Deion Sanders to teach his young athletes not to fuck with chicks like her. Deion Sanders just changed this bitch life. Excuse my language. If, it, if this succeeds and she, if she actually succeeds at being the person that he needs her to be, he just started her a consulting firm. She has a legit job now. Absolutely. She has a profession. She's going to be wealthy for, for years to come. Because if this succeeds, 
other people are going to hire her for the exact same purpose. Absolutely. All because a man gave you a job. He got her ass off the street. And he knew that because he lived the life as a young athlete and he came across chicks like her. So it's a double, you know what I'm saying? It's a double purpose situation. Bro. Absolutely. Absolutely. Use, use this time now to get your shit together, to craft and, what it is that you can be off of it. Learn, and learn from all your fuck ups in the same, in, in one fell swoop. Yes. This chick, uh, she, she was on DJ academics and DJ academics told her that she was, she was going to, she's, he told her if she don't switch up her game and come up with a plan, she's going to forever be a side chick because wealthy niggas that she chasing after don't want no baby mama. Keep that in mind. That's one person. She's doing, she's willingly doing these interviews with people. You see what I'm saying? She went on another podcast, had the same conversation with somebody else. This motherfucker had the nerve to go to Kevin Samuels to have the same conversation. He was, he let her do all this talking and he just gave her the raw truth the same way DJ Academics did. What did they say? They told her, she, you know what I'm saying? She can't, like, she, like, he told her, Kevin Samuels and DJ Academics, like, the same shit we were saying off mic, how you can't have it all. You got to choose. Life is about trade-offs and, you know what I'm saying, and sacrifices. What you going to do? Like, you can't, your beauty fades. You know what I'm saying? What you, what you got away with in the last fucking five years, that shit runs dry. It's like OnlyFans. The uh, OnlyFans girl is the OnlyFans girl now. But the, all it takes is another girl to turn 18. You know what I'm saying? Every day a chick turns 18. Every hour a chick turns 18. Or for a motherfucker to realize that they can go back and watch porn. You know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? She was, she was kind of, you know, they all kind of push back against that because they don't want to hear it from us. They don't want to hear it from a man. You know what I'm saying? What do we know? Even though we're speaking from the from a lineage of, of making the world, like we civil. The way the way they phrase it is like man has civilized the world so much and made things so safe and comfortable that women don't feel like they need us anymore. There's no threat. She was damn near homeless or she was homeless. She was facing she was face to face with that threat. And you know who came to save her? A man. She did all this talking how she don't need a man. She's just going to get the bag. And you know who came and put her on? A man. A man. A man is giving you a shot to chisel your craft, hone your skill. Use what use who you are as your product. Bong bong. In a, in a, in a good way. And be a speaker in everything. Yeah. You dig what I'm saying? But that, you know what I'm saying? Back to the whole talent. That's that's like the like the talent component versus the the popularity component. Her popularity. Is going to have to, it's going to be a balanced thing. She's going to have to leverage her popularity to build her talent. Her talent is going to have to be public speaking, conversation. You know what I'm saying? Her job, her job, it really strictly involves her being able to articulate her thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to sell the, 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 the notion that, that she's speaking against her own nature. That's her product, speaking against her own nature. Speak out about her own self. Yep. Undesirables. Don't fuck, don't fuck with me and chicks like me. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping it up in a boat and then get presenting it to you as, as a product now. Big facts. Big facts.
Yeah, it's interesting though, man. It's just, it is. It is. When I, read, when I read the story, I was like, that's the, the first thing I popped in my head is this man just changed our life. And I and it's lot like I was watching people's reaction to it. They're like, that bitch don't need that job. And but I'm like, no, she needs that job, bro. She got a baby. And all even if she gets the child support, she can't expect that a child is she only gets that for 18 years. 18 years goes by like that. It might, it might you did what I'm saying in the grand scheme of things. If she's just in her 20s, she's gonna be she gonna she gonna be beyond the wall by the time that child is grown. And then what's she gonna do for money? But guess who came to the rescue? A man. And she's gonna have to make uh major leaps and bounds in this 18-year period. Make concessions. You did what I'm saying? You have to really grow and develop. And if, if this right here becomes a legitimate uh enterprise for her and Deion Sanders, she she should kiss the ground Deion Sanders walks on. She should always, you know what I'm saying, accredit him for giving her her start because this is her new her new beginning. Because who, why, why would she want to be known as the, the chick who preyed on PJ Washington only or the chick who fucked with Future? She fucked with maybe like five or six different uh, rappers and, and celebrities before she got to PJ Washington, bro. You know what I'm saying? She was a, what, what they call a socialite. You know, them young girls just want to be around. Married. Yeah. Yeah, man. I wonder if she realizes this is her out. She out that game, bro. I, I hope she, I hope she does because this is, like I just said, Deion Sanders, salute to Deion Sanders for doing what he did. He just allowed her to, again, chisel her craft and yeah. wrap it up and present it with a bow on it and, 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 and pay and get paid for it. Man. And if he's smart, if she's smart, she would she would try to negotiate a, a, a term contract with him. So that way she can get great. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to like a one and done. If they can negotiate a term contract, do five years with this man. You I think, I think, I think he'll he'll just do that, you know, or, or maybe something like that, or just make sure she has a job until she gets it together. Yeah, because he's a speaker too. He's great with words. He's a shit talker, so he can teach her how to do press and all that shit. He can teach. You see what I'm saying? Because it's going to become a conversation. She's going to be on talk shows. She's. Go, you see what I'm saying? And like you said earlier, she's already having that momentum. Uh, start uh, get get rolling as it is. So and her her prior reputation with PJ Washington needs to be cleaned up. So this will be an opportunity for her to turn this around and create a better image for herself because her image is already damaged. You see what I'm saying? Her image, like her everything about her, is about that situation with PJ Washington. That's all they ever talk about. That's all that's impressed about her. And she ain't that old. She's not old enough to be going through it like that. But that's that's the world she you know what I'm saying she live in. So this could definitely turn it around for and hopefully it, it paints a new narrative for like women that's like her you know uh, saying? give them something as an alternative point of view because the primary point of view is let me get internet famous i hope you know? she figures it out now this is a big opportunity Thanks. big opportunity to make yourself some money and just say you know what what my kid is getting is for the kids. So now I have an opportunity to uh, feed myself and, and grow as well. It's, okay. it's a dope opportunity to have opportunity to have. You know what I'm saying? Get invested in some things, learn some things about investing anyway, if she doesn't already know. Um, just anything, anything that's uh self-improvement and advancement for the betterment of her seat. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But it, it, it goes back to that. That's the popularity of it, right? 
she didn't understand her actual talent and now she's starting to figure it out it is that's something that men because we call that our purpose you know what i'm saying like we we learn early to tap into that we don't have nobody's coming to save us we we are learning that we have to be creative we have to be innovative we have to you know apply ourselves you know what i'm saying those of us who don't know I won't even say those of us who don't know. Some of us aren't aware of it, but like if you think about it, it goes in, it goes in positive and negative uh, strokes. The ones like no matter what, we have that that innate urge to to do what it takes to survive and, and get to it. Like you got those dudes who who strictly for the streets. They out here in these streets doing dumb shit, but there's the purpose behind it is so they don't be homeless or they don't be under a bridge or dead somewhere. A lot of them end up dead. You know what I'm That's saying? But it's the innate urge, the survival me- mechanism in the man's brain that pushes us to all because we're we're providers. You know what I'm saying? I always said this: I'm like, if a chick get with a dude and he loses his job and he's sitting around the crib, that's out of fear, because most dudes will figure something out. He'll get out there and sell socks. He'll get out there. You see what I'm saying? It's always somebody out like men hustle. You know what I'm saying? Like all of us aren't going to get up in white collar spaces or blue collar spaces and thrive. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? But because if you take away all of the, the conveniences and the elements of a civilized society, we we hunter gatherers, bro. Yeah. And some of us are farmers. Some of us are hunter gatherers. You know what I'm saying? Some of us are fucking chiefs. You know what I'm saying? It's just about it's, it's about what your mentality is. And really it's about what, what values you were raised with. You know what I'm saying? We I wasn't raised with the values of man, get you a good woman who's gonna take care of you. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? I it, never heard no shit like that. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm gonna tell you something that's funny. I had this conversation this morning at work, and it was the funniest fucking conversation to me. It's this dude fucking quit the job because his wife got a promotion on her job, and uh he's gonna stay home with the kids because she got her promotion and it costs more money to pay for uh, child care or whatever. I'm like, that sounds good on paper. But what happens when that dude started whispering in her ear and making her start reflecting on the relationship she got with her man that's staying at home with the kids? I said, you think she going to, I mean, it, it might be fine and convenient now, but that's going to put her in a masculine mind frame. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't Especially don't. with another guy whispering in her ear or her friends. Most women aren't built for that, dude. Most women ain't built for that. Just because a woman will take, like, out of necessity, a woman will take care of all, all the bills that she got to, but it would never be without a supplement. Yeah, for how long? Exactly. I, I, most women, more women complain about working than men. What is the stipulation of me holding on to this uh, while you sit there and do nothing? And I'm like, shit, what, like, let's say he does decide to embrace the, the staying at home portion of it. And he's doing all the housework and cooking for and blah, blah, blah. Right. Doing the yard work. He's doing he's doing shit around the crib. It's still going to be it's going to go unappreciated because the roles have reversed. It's still going to look like you did nothing. You know why? Because I when I was at work, I was enduring all of this. And Brad at work is talking in my ear and he's telling me blah, 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 blah. And if he was saying? a real, if he was a real man, he wouldn't let you sit there and do all and do and bring home the bacon. No man would let you do that. Mm-hmm. But that's not again, what you're supposed to be doing. But then again, it, she might just be one of those masculine chicks who who feel like 
she's an independent woman. She's just so happy to be married with, with children. And I feel like I got this. Is that the alpha female? If, if such a thing exists. <laughs> Look, I be hearing these terms, you know, these guys are out here saying they alpha males and shit. <laughs> like, nigga, what? Like, first of all, the man, you don't, the individual doesn't determine his status in the, in the, in the society. The society determines his status. Correct. You don't, you don't just say you're the alpha male. The, the fucking tribe determines you the alpha. There it you know, is. They elect you that. What the fuck? Yeah. And, and when I hear it, I was like, that that kind of means that you ain't what you're saying. If you have to say it. You have to say it, man. People respect you based on the actions and, and your, you know what I'm saying? And, and what you deliver. Your delivery determines the outcome, man. You don't just sit here and wake up one day and be like, I'm the man. Yeah. Like, These bitches going to respect me. <laughs> Tyson Tyson Fury didn't become the Gypsy King because he called himself the Gypsy King. Right. As far as I know, he became the Gypsy King because out of the Gypsy community, he was a, the biggest, baddest, most ass whoopingest motherfucker there was. So he got that title. That title was handed to him. Right. He was awarded that. That's yeah. how he got that title. He and, and if you listen to him, he hardly ever even mentions it. I'm going I'm to use this as an example. And this is no slight, no knock against the legend. And, and I, I'm using the word legend just as my uh, my jumping point. LL Cool J was awarded the title of GOAT. Somebody told him he was GOAT. And he made his album, he named his album GOAT. Yeah. Is he GOAT? That's debatable. Very, de- to, me, to <laughs> me, it's debatable. You know what I'm saying? That's, what, that's that, like, anybody's top five rapper list. The same way. It's debatable. But if the consensus is this, who am I to argue? I might not agree. You know but, it's, it's, but it's my opinion. It's my opinion. It's my opinion. But if you're the if you're the if you're the alpha, you're the alpha. You're the yeah. If if people say that you're the go, then you know. If other people are saying it, then you know. And, they, and you just one person. So <laughs> you just one person. Shit. Everybody else saying it. Like all right, whatever. Y'all <laughs> oh my goodness man yo you wrong man <laughs> listen listen everybody knows coogee rap is like my number one you know because and the reason why if you're listening coogee rap fathered styles multiple styles you have a lot of guys who take bits and pieces off of coogee rap and they produce their own thing i am one of them I am one of them. When I get in that mode, and I don't know if people know when I'm actually doing it, but I I, I do that. I do that. Coogee rap is a bad motherfucker. Thanks. Like, I've never heard LL Cool J flip styles. I've never heard him, like, just go crazy on the wordplay. I've never heard him, like, fucking take a song to a, a higher level. That's why I've always felt like he had writers. But that's just me. Because Ooh. you don't go from you don't just go from walking with a panther to mama said knock you out. You can't you can't transition like that and then go from mama said knock you out to 14 shots to the dome. Those transitions don't make sense to me because the height of those three albums is mama said knock you out. Walking with a panther had what I'm that type of guy and uh going back to Cali. I, I don't know nothing else on that fucking album. I know uh I know uh 14 Shots of the Dome had uh, pink cookies in a plastic bag and, and backseat of my Jeep on it. But guess what? Both of those songs is gibberish. 
Pink cookies in a plastic bag getting crushed by a building. And he said, that means sex. That's a metaphor for sex. No, the fuck it ain't, bro. But if you say so, I guess it is. Because guess what? That single went platinum. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I always, I never heard him explain it, but I thought that's what it meant. I kind of just like. I just thought, okay, pink cookies in a plastic bag getting crushed by buildings. Let me listen to the song. Okay. He must be talking about sex. If, they, if he's talking, okay, he's talking about sex. So I guess that's what the title means. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't obvious. It didn't. It didn't pop out to me like it wasn't esoteric. It was just a bad metaphor. You know what I mean? I gotta jump up right quick and use the bathroom. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to uh, <laughs> take a break. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We back. Yeah, uh-huh. Conversation. Say what? <laughs> All behind the scenes conversations. We. <laughs> I didn't know we weren't recording. I thought that was going in it in the in the podcast too. Nah. Oh, no, nah, I, <laughs> I didn't hit the button. So yeah, um, popularity or talent. Uh, growing up, I found out that Scarface played instruments. I found out uh, Pimp C played instruments. I found out that the guys in Outkast or, or the, the the founding part of that was Organized Noise. Oh, yeah. Those guys play instruments. Uh, yeah. In this current generation, we have what Zaytoven. Is there anybody else that plays any instruments besides him? Uh, I know uh, that you yeah. uh, know of. Uh, Young Berg and his hitmaker crew. Young dude's pretty dope. Uh, okay. DJ Mustard play instruments. Play some instruments, I believe. Uh, it's just one of those things, man. Because we we're so advanced technologically, a lot of what uh, traditional production looks like and sounds like is now uh, it's 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 an added on bonus to have a, a producer who's actually musically inclined. You know what I'm saying? So if you got a producer who has a musical background or you have an artist that has a musical background, you got something special. You know what I'm saying? Because for the most part now, everything is like point and click. Yeah, definitely. Like a lot of people, like a lot of people don't even use like the equipment that I have. You know what I'm saying? People, don't, they just used to just having a software and kind of like just, you know what I'm saying? Manipulating shit the way I used to with the, with the PlayStation. It's kind of like how she come full circle. Like, while I was using the PlayStation, everybody was on their PCs and shit like that. Um, now I'm into the, you know what I'm saying, the hardware side of things, where I have been for over 20 years now. Now I'm starting to see a lot more uh, computer-based production. You know what I'm saying? Did you ever think about getting a job doing that at the time? Because you were so uh, dope at doing that? Mess with the PlayStation? Nah, man, I was just, I was young. I was just, I was, I hadn't really started taking uh, producing as seriously as I was rapping. You know what I'm saying? Rapping was my shit. That's what I was doing. That was my main focus. I was, again, I, I, I utility, I made a utility of making beats. I utilized it in a way to kind of like just supplement having to pay producers for the beats that I didn't like. You know what I'm saying? So, and when people started, when I started, when I built my crew up, when I got, you know what I'm saying? I got all my homies together who rap, and I was like the RZA in the situation. I was making the beats that we were rap to and shit like that. I started seeing a different result, and I started hearing some. I started getting more positive feedback from people. And when I started selling beats, I was like, okay, you know, and I wasn't making hand over fist money with it, but I was making enough money where it was sustainable. You know what I'm saying? A nigga wasn't broke. I could miss. I could miss a week's work on the job, and I wasn't hurting. Right, you'd be straight. 
right? And also, I hadn't even embraced it yet as a, as a form of income yet. I didn't look at it like, man, I need to get on these beats so I could get this bread. It wasn't in my mind like that. It could have been if I was a little bit more focused, but, you know, I was a young parent and shit like that and just really just still kind of chasing the dream and trying to be productive and, and responsible at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. Like if I had uh, better guidance in that area, I had uh, somebody who was a little bit more, I'll tell you this. This is a, this is a story. Before I even started making beats and I was just rapping and shit like that, and I was going to the studio and I was recording songs. I, I had maybe recorded for my first uh, album, I recorded with Walt. Okay. Produced, he produced one record on the, he rapped on the song with me. You know what I'm saying? So I had all this shit going on with it. And I was still kind of like formulating how I wanted this album to sound. You know what I'm saying? By paying for beats and shit like that. Man, Walt, Walt produced two beat songs on that album because the first one he produced was a song called Monogamy. And it was a flip of uh, Rakim's Mahogany. And uh, I think uh, around that time, I was kind of like toying with the idea of really making beats because that came out so dope. And I kind of like started investing more into my bars and getting my crew together and shit like that. And um, I forgot where I was going with this, but as in the process of it, um, I, had, I had a lot of instances where I probably could have started getting a little bit more uh, under uh, Walt's wing and, and letting him teach me some shit. You know what I'm saying? He ain't that much older than me though, so I didn't look at him like that. You know what I'm saying? And Walt, you, you, you know, it, it, you heard his work, you know, it speaks for itself. Dude is dope. Yeesh. Dude is dope. Yeah, he dope, man. Salute to Walt. And he went to uh, MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University, you know what I'm saying, for music and engineering and stuff like that. And uh, he, he, he clean with it. Uh, I was kind of in the streets back then, but I would, you know, so I was like, it was like kind of crazy dumb shit. Like the police come to looking for me at the studio and shit like that after I done already left. Stupid shit like that because of dumb shit I was doing at the, out there. But it wasn't nothing like, you know what I'm saying? Nothing too heavy where it was a distraction. But it was one of them things where if I had somebody who was like, hey, come over here, let me show you some shit. It'd have been a little bit more, I'd have been a little bit more prepared. I will yeah. say, you know, my dude, uh, Block, who he he was uh, one of Walt's homies, big homie. He uh, he started a label back, back then that Walt was a part of a team that he was a part of called uh, Conscious Steps Entertainment. Okay. He put me on to like, operating MPC, he was the first person to let me actually uh, start producing in his studio. Like actually hands-on, start making beats and shit like that. And that's right around the time when I started making beats on the PlayStation, because he heard, that's when he started hearing the work I was doing. He was like the first person that I recorded with from the PlayStation. I would come show up to the studio. I'd get off work, go home, grab my shit, and then go right to the studio. And then I'd be in there to fucking six in the evening had to go take a nap and then go right back to work because I was working third shift. Mm. And I'd be in there working with him and he'd be listening to my beats and he'd be giving me some feedback and what he think, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm gonna teach you how to mix. I'm gonna show you how to like blend your sounds a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? You should use some compression. I'm like, what, what the fuck is that? what that mean? And he'll show it to me and shit like that. I'm like, okay, I get it now. 
But the whole process was one of the things where if I wasn't exposed to it when I was, I probably wouldn't even be into it. You know what I'm saying? I probably would just be focused on rap and I'd just be rapping over whack ass beats that other niggas make. You know what I'm saying? But it's all, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's all because I have, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm musically inclined in that way because like I said, my dad exposed me through the music that he had in the crib. He bought me a guitar when I was fucking four or five years old that I kind of self-taught myself a little bit on at this little small toy organ that I learned. My mom taught me how to do chord progressions on that, which later led me to take piano classes in high school. I just signed up as an elective and I did that and ended up getting a trophy at a piano recital and shit like that behind that. It was just something to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to know what this, <clears throat> I want to know what, you know what I'm saying, what, what this consists of. And all, all that, I say all that to say though, is like uh, when you think about like the, the talent component, everybody possesses a talent. All, everybody's talents are different and complementary to other people's and other things. But not everybody taps into it and understands what their purpose is through that. So my purpose that I learned is that I have to pour into the, to the youngest. You know what I'm saying? I have to put the game, anybody who got the same drive and ambition that I had when I was at that age, I'm going to be a resource that I didn't have. I'm going to give them the resource that I didn't have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of like what influenced it and, and kind of like motivated me to, to do what I did for, you know what I'm saying? You know, Dirks, you know what I'm saying? Jamil Inkwells and, and, and all those guys. Yeah. Salute to all of them too. Salute to all of them. Yeah. Um, and you you started um, you've been keeping in touch with some of those young guys uh, since they oh, left Chicago. Rello, uh, talked to Santiago. I talked to Marty. I talked to man, not all of them, man. You know what I'm saying? I reach out to them. You know what I'm saying? Let them know, like, yo, I've been peeping you. I see what you posting. You good over there? Shit like that. Checking okay. up on them and shit like that. And they always tell me they appreciate. You know what I'm saying? Me even giving them the time and the opportunity. So. You know what I'm saying? Like I tell them all the time, like, man, just keep doing what you do. I wa- I'm watching you. I think uh, uh, one of the young homies, uh, Pierre Lamage, used to come to the studio and shit. Uh, he just got, uh, I think he just got signed by uh, Atlantic. I don't know what the situation is. I think it's a distribution deal, though. But yeah, he just got a distribution deal. He moved to Arkansas and just put his nose to the ground and just started grinding. Salute to him for that. I told him, Cause when I remember when he told me he was going down there, he stopped by the crib and told me he was moving away and shit like that. And uh, cause he was gonna take on take on the job as the CEO at, at the uh, at the detention center down there. They was paying pretty big. And I said, well, whatever you do, man, invest in yourself. Build your brand and invest in yourself. And shit, say less. Hundred percent. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I've been watching him. I told him straight up, like, look, bro, I'm proud of you. Keep on hustling. I said, it don't stop here. I said, this is just the, this is the 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 transition point. Now, now it's gonna you're gonna be challenged on what you learn and how you can apply what you learn. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. That's all progress is about, though, right? Absolutely. Application. The application, right? You gotta you gotta be able to apply yourself to something, and as you apply yourself, you go through the motions of learning trying to take apart what it is you're trying to apply yourself to, uh, to, to learn about it, <clears throat> get feedback, find other people to build, uh, build with that's doing the same thing or have done what you're doing. So you have a, a guide, someone to look to. 
And I try to always put myself in situations just on a personal level. I always try to put myself in situations and in in the presence of people I can pick up some game from. I can learn some shit from, trade ideas with. I don't ever want to be the smartest dude in the room. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be that dude. I want to be the guy that, you know what I'm saying, can sit in the back of the room and just soak up the knowledge. And when I need to contribute, I will contribute to the conversation because that's that to me has always been my key to that advancement anyway. You know what I'm saying? That's been one of the things I, I prided myself on. Always being around people who were smarter than me, someone who had more game to give than I did. Yeah. Real facts. Because you can't, you can't, you can't learn it all thinking that you know it all. And not learn it all. You can't learn enough and get further if you think that you know everything. Let me say it that way. Close off your opportunities and your and and your your potential for learning new things because you've already decided that you don't need to know anything else. Yeah, and and, and I will say this. I don't know if I said it right anyway. I will say like I I, I I'm one of those guys that th- thought he knew what he was doing all the damn time growing up. Yeah. You know, and then when you bump your head several times, you start to realize, well, maybe it would be smarter of me if I started reaching out and getting some of this knowledge from people who know better, people who can help me out. I think that's a that's a character trait. That's always one of those things that we all as men, I think we all possess that. You know what I'm saying? I think it's one of those things that we kind of like uh, want to be trusted. We want that, that we want people's confidence in us because that's what that's a sign of a leader you know what i'm saying and even though we might get it wrong we still want that trust you know what i'm saying we want to show that that you can depend on us and sometimes it kind of bleeds into other areas of our lives because we've just not managed to really hit it on the head just yet we had some successes and it's just something that we we will forever kind of like pursue because it's just it's it's a masculine trait that's why I don't even want to have that conversation because I was about to say that's why a lot of women. We're not doing that. That's why a lot of women move that way. <laughs> we're not going. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. We're going to keep on moving in another direction because that'll be another three or four hours, and I think you got to uh, yeah. make a bounce out in a little bit. But yeah, um, when you look at the industry now, I think we said this earlier as far as talent, uh, talent versus a uh, was it talent versus popularity. Everything is such a popularity contest. I don't see any, I, don't, I don't see anybody when I look at the, the talent, the guys that's out here now, the men, men and women that are performing, the entertainers. I don't know what I'm looking at anymore. Dude, that's why you see so many antics, dude. Like, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you have who are the top, like the top names? I don't even know who's popular right now. I don't know because I don't. You know, me, yeah. me, and you have similar things that we do. We don't really pay attention to the, a lot of the music unless something is said that really uh, parts some knowledge into us. Like I don't, I don't know what's what's really out. Yeah, and that's that's the whole thing, bro. It's like, like I, I I hear songs. That's how it is. That's how it works with me. I hear songs. Like if I got a, if I'm on title, if I'm on Spotify or something like that, and I'm just listening, and I'm especially if I'm on one of their like public playlists, or whatever. I'm just listening. If it's a song that stands out to me, I'm like, hmm, let me see what that is. And I'll add it to my, my personal playlist. Other than that, I just let it go. It's like, because music really speaks to moments in time for people. Yeah. And like, where I'm not, I'm not young enough where those songs make moments for me. They don't speak to like, you know what I'm saying, episodes of my life that kind of like 
burned into my memory. I yeah. remember all the songs from my teenage years because those are key moments that kind of like transitioned me into my manhood. So of course I had like, uh, I can I, I have a whole playlist of songs that that reflect that nostalgia. You know what I'm saying? Like that era in time, captured that moment in time. It's like a it's like a a moment like I listen to scenario. I remember exactly where I was the first time I heard scenario. So guess what? When I listen to that song, it always take me back there. If I listen to some Black Sheep, I remember the first time I heard the Black Sheep album, the intro. Oh, that shit was crazy. I was standing in my mama's kitchen when that shit was on. You see what I'm saying? That type of shit. As an adult, I don't have very many of those moments because as an adult, I'm being so productive. I'm putting so much work in for myself and my survival that all these moments come and go too quick. You know what I'm saying? I have to make my moments. And when I'm making my moments, I'm definitely not making my moments consuming somebody else's art. I'm not either. I'm, I'd rather create. I'm rather, I'd rather be in a creative mindset. Okay. So, so we, okay. Cause I always wonder what it was. I guess it's just an innate thing for me, but I'm not aware enough to pay attention to what's going on because number one, it's not, it's not clicking with me. And maybe because it doesn't, it's not supposed to resonate with me because it's not my generation. But the other thing is, is once I leave that building and I clock out, my sole purpose is to get home and, and create. Yep. And if I'm not creating, I'm doing something where I'm trying to draw inspiration to create. I, I may be watching. I may be looking at an art book. I may be online looking at uh, 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 ast- astronomy, <clears throat> peering at the stars. I may watch. a. Uh, I may try to look at some show that's weird to me that I would never really watch. And try to pull things from that and, and, and apply it into the music that I may try to uh, come up with or things that just watching the way certain people are doing podcasts now, because now I'm a part of that culture. So yeah. now I have to sit there and listen at different things and, and techniques that people have or try to find the aesthetic that they have that makes their podcast so good. So yeah. I don't I'm not I'm not so into a lot of the music. I can't hear it. And even when I'm listening to it, I don't hear it. It. it like you said, I hear it, but I don't feel it. it plays the background to what you're doing at that moment. Yeah, I don't, ha- I don't have any feeling for it. And, and that's perfectly fine, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because first of all, another thing is, is we're talking, we're talking talent versus popularity. You know, it's all part of the machine and the machine is marketing something, right? They're not marketing to us anyway. You see what I'm saying? We're not even in the demographic that they're trying to sell this to. No, we're not. We're not. So, we've, 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 uh, we've uh, plateaued. Yeah, yeah. We plateaued already. Yeah. So they want to sell it to the next, the next class behind us. You know, it's the next couple classes behind us, actually, because like once you start hitting a certain stripe, if you're not in college, if you're not in high school and college, most of this music ain't even speaking to you. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the moments you make are in those areas. You make you make moments in high school and college. Once you get out here in the world, the only thing you focus on is trying to get your career off, try to get your life together, try to, you know what I'm saying, provide for yourself. Support, yeah, support yourself. <clears throat> Absolutely. So um, this plays the background, it's background music at that point. Yeah. And, and and to a certain degree, not not no disrespect to nobody, but it's white noise for me because I don't I don't be hearing it, man. Like like we already had this conversation. I listen, I'm listening to jazz, funk, uh funk, mm-hmm. jazz, whatever it is. Uh, I'm listening to my my, my 90s and 2000 era of rap music. And then I may go into some orchestra or symphonies, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I may go into something like that. Absolutely. Which is kind of interesting to me though, man, because like, it's kind of crazy how, how a mature mind starts to process that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like start prioritizing and 
you know what I'm saying? And kind of putting things contextually where it should be for you because you have, you, you've developed a routine for yourself versus having one established for you. You see what I'm saying? Like people who watch TV and they get hooked on TV series have a routine established for them. You know what I'm saying? People who, uh, who, who follow celebrities and, and follow everything they drop have a routine set for them. But then when you are creative, you, you set your own. Your, your, your creative routine is the, the betterment of your craft. You're trying to build something up. You see yeah. what I'm saying? As opposed to like just sitting there waiting on somebody to tell you what the next move you're going to be making is going to be. You know what I'm saying? You kind of, you wake up with an objective. We already kind of like, we already subjected to the, the, the workforce. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Contributing economically to the system and blah, blah, blah. But the thing you have absolute control over that you know you have control over, you're taking control of it. By establishing your routine, you got this podcast going on. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You 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 set it up in a way where you can. This is your outlet, and it's your baby. You see what I'm saying? It ain't like somebody making you do it. Not at all. This is something I chose to do. Absolutely. And it was part of the you know part of the inspiration behind it, or the thought process behind it was the monotony of everything. Right? We done done the music, and I'm, we still doing music. And the monotony of that, the, the, the less talented people get through for the experience of just exposure and popularity. So, okay, cool. So the, that, that's fine. You guys have a cycle of that. Well, let's talk about why that happened. And let's also talk about things that's going on in our community. There's a lot of positive things that's happening in our community. A lot of positive people. They just don't let us have the space to do that, which means we have to create that space for ourselves, which is still to come from certain others. But it's it's to break away from that regular regular bullshit that we hear all the time and everybody's doing it everybody's trying to do the same exact thing yep so it's like it's been it's all about being self-aware too though man so like when you when you when you have talent your talent takes you to being popular when popularity is a byproduct of your talent it's a different thing but when you have it divided into these two sections of either talent or popularity. Most people are gonna go where the popularity takes them because they feel like that's gonna get them the money faster. They're gonna to get to the bag faster through, through popularity. That's why a lot of people wanna be influencers and shit like that because that popularity gets, they don't have, it, it doesn't expend any energy to be popular. It takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of uh, development to become talented. You gotta got constantly keep sharpening that steel. You know what I'm saying? Whereas with popularity, that shit, if you if you if you can capture that that flame and kind of like just keep it going for a while. For like two to five years, you'd be good. That's why that's why so many people like you have all these different platforms. You had a YouTube platform. I think YouTube is more labor intensive, so it's more of a talent component to YouTube. But then you have like the short form uh, TikToks and stuff like that. There's some talent there, but it's more about popularity. People can get a million views and get a sponsorship deal because they've mastered uh, doing something like uh, making dance videos or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that the dancing isn't a talent, but the, the, the idea that they can just do something so repetitively that it becomes popular, that they don't, it don't require effort anymore. Breaking Rubik's cubes, records, and things like that. Yeah. Jumping from building to building, damn near killing yourself. 
Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, bro. It's like, um, again, 30 years ago, motherfucker couldn't tell me that this would be what the 2000s, the 2020s would look like. You know what I'm saying? I knew, like, I think, like, back in the 90s, in the early 90s, people expected, uh, I guess, more holograms and shit like that, that the expectation, you know, people always project ideas on what they expect from the future. And, I mean, the future is now, and it, it don't look, the only thing that, that we have, I say smartphones and fucking electric cars, self-driving electric cars are, like, the biggest innovations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think we might be going into the direction of the robots soon, man. They're talking about they're reproducing and shit. Yeah, making us robots. What do you think, what would you like to see done differently with music? I would like to see, uh, I would like to, you're talking about on the creative front or on the the industrial front? Uh, Both, both, because I definitely would like to see something like more talent rise to the to the top but for both what would you say it is i would love to see um i would my my point of reference for that would be i would like to see the the masses kind of make more informed decisions for themselves versus just everything being algorithm based you know what i'm saying so creatively i would like the artists to take more risks you know what I'm saying? Like the reason why Kendrick Lamar is who he is is because he's not contemporary in the way of uh what what you hear on a on a on an average basis from rap- rappers. He he hasn't put out an album in almost like five years or some shit like that. Yeah. And uh well he they did the Black Panther soundtrack joint, but like his own album, damn, I think they came out three what four or five years ago. A little bit more than that. A little bit more than that, I think. <clears throat> excuse me you know what i'm saying just to be a little bit more unique man be more creative on your it don't don't adhere to the pressures of what these labels expect man because these labels we we got we got we got a system in place this industry does not understand the talent all they understand is money they understand metrics they just look at the bar graph and see whether it's going up or down and they don't give a shit about the process they don't it, that doesn't matter to them all they need is a hit that's all they want so if we can i would like to see artists be a little bit more daring and step away from the machine long enough to to see that they could be successful without it yeah show your talent shows that you're talented show motherfuckers that you can do this shit on a higher level than what it is right now because every is it is this is monotonous man everybody sounds like the exact same that kind of take me back to the conversation we was having about Kanye, man. Kanye is like p- giving them the blueprint, dude. Kanye been giving these niggas the blueprint since he came out, bro. RZA been giving these niggas the blueprint since he came out. Um, it's quite a few of them, uh, quite a few OGs that really kind of like just did it their own way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you could get a deal. The deal is good financially for like those who really like, because Kanye's, uh, format requires so much more financial uh backing because he samples and shit like that and he uses all these different elements and components from other artists to kind of build his his sound up to give you something new people got to get paid you know what i'm saying his music is big his production style is big so it takes money but without that 
that element, he would still be able to be an artist that, that could do what he does. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the financial component is really just for those who kind of need that money instead of like people just jumping out here trying to get a deal. Just just blow up. Just do your thing. Put out, Just make good music. Because in the end, your talent, if you are talented, the talent will take you further than the popularity popularity yep. will. The, the, the talent will help the popularity be, become sustainable. They'll last. It'll, it'll help it last. If you uh, the popularity, then that means you live with gimmicks and antics. That means you're hot. You're just hot. And at some point, you will fizzle out. And it, what's that, that three to five year run or less? It's probably less now. Yeah, you won't be around for too much longer. Then next time we look up and see you, you would be on stage cutting, uh, shucking and jiving and, and doing cutting a jig for these motherfuckers. Craig Mack said it. You won't be around next year. You know what I'm saying? That's how it is, man. You got to either you, you're going to be a solid act. You're going to keep on showing these people that you could be innovative. That's why I love an artist that can just dip in and out of the game and just give you what they got and then just go back into the lab or go back to whatever they're doing until they feel that creative urge again. Yeah. Artists like Angelo, artists like uh, Erica Badu. Um, Maxwell. Maxwell, you know what I'm saying? Artists who just, they get that creative bug and they just get out there. Like artists like Kendrick. Big boy from Outkast. Big boy, you know what I'm saying? Hell, Andre. Andre like, I got 16 for you. I'm just gonna you 16. I, you know what I'm saying? This is, this, this, I was moved to give you this, but I'm finna go back and go play my flute. Right. Yeah. That's that, that just shows like, a, to me, that's more, that's respectable genius to me. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to like, just whoring out for the attention. You know what I'm saying? Some people are just natural performers though. It's different than being a, a natural performer. And that's the other thing about it, right? You gotta, some some people are just performers, man. They gotta get out there and get that their energy out. Like I forgot that Tiana Taylor was a teenage star, dude. Like, well, not necessarily a teenage star, but she like blew up before she was fucking 16, 17 years old. You know what I'm saying? And she's talented this shit. I don't think that I don't think she got, I don't know if she's still on good music or she she's just on Dev Jam now. But the work she put in, I feel like it's she she got an old soul. You know what I'm saying? And that's probably one of some of the most contemporary R&B that I listen to from artists. Her, um, Giveon, I like some of his stuff. Sometimes Party put out a song that I like. What about Shama Walker? Shama Walker's all right. She's just kind of all over the place musically to me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, her, she's pretty dope. She plays instruments. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is one of those things where I think, again, it's cyclical. It's, it all just comes around again and again and again. You know what I'm saying? We just had these different, like, like it kind of reminded me of, like when uh, India Ari came out. You know what I'm saying? She was, uh, I, she was like the, the wild card. When Alicia Keys came out, she was the wild card. Yeah. Nobody saw that before. You know what I'm saying? A young girl playing piano and singing. And singing. You know what I'm saying? Because she got signed the same time Mario got signed, and she lasted longer. And Mario is and not to take away from his talent, but I don't think that he had he brought as much talent to the table as Alicia did. Was A Marie around at that time, or did she come later? Right, she might have been around, but I don't think she had popped off until like right after that. Because you know, artists artists be in them damn deals, like sitting, stewing, and and writing for people, and yeah 
those singles that you don't even know who they are working behind the scenes yeah motherfucker be on the on the on the late you know signed to a label eight years before you even hear of them yeah working grinding out and then you think oh they they just came out no they've been there you know what I'm saying? Neo had been writing for Mary J. Blige and a few other people for a while. Said he uh, wrote for Beyonce too, right? Yep, he wrote for Beyonce, wrote for Mary, Mary, he wrote for uh I don't know, he wrote for quite a few people. Him and Dream. Carrie Hilson too, right? Yep. Yep, absolutely. That's the talent component though. That's the talent component, and then be able to stick around. Uh, stick around for popularity. Yeah, man. I'm gonna tell y'all something that I used to see in the gym when I used to box uh growing up doing doing the, the amateurs. The sign always said this. It said talent works, uh hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. Yep. All the time. All the time. So if you are talent, make sure you're chiseling your talent. Make sure you're working on it because at any point that may be that that may drift off. That may drift off, and you want to make sure that your hard work is is lined up with it. Find your gaps and close them. You know what I'm saying? Anywhere you have a have a, a insufficiency in your style or, or your your talent, find ways to refine it. You know what I'm saying? Tighten that up. Yeah, and absolutely. Find the best version of whoever you are. That's a fact. Yo, we gonna cut it off right there, man. But I got something I want to ask you when we get off here. <laughs> All right. Yo, this has been another episode of Four Profits Podcast. This episode was called Talent or Popularity or Popularity or Talent. Uh, remember the mission statement when you're striving for greatness. God never puts you in the driver's seat if it's taken. We done. Bonk, bonk.